1: Investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com. Bandwagon
2: Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. It has been one heck of a week around the Nerdosphere, and we've got a full bandwagon here to help cover it. That's right, everyone, all four of us here for episode. Oh, Dave dropped the mic. Um, so we know Dave's here as he Well, maybe Dave's not here. We have three quarters of the bandwagon. We have four screens, three people. Dave's back in. So, yes, the lawyer, David Ungar, is here. The live studio audience, PC Tunney, is as well. And Mr. Reverend Ray Cash, staring off into the distance as the Ravens are taking on the Chargers as we record here on a Sunday. Tunney and I facing off as the Packers yet again defeat. Chicago Bears Aaron Rodgers 21 and 5 against the Bears like that's ridiculous so I need to distract myself from the inevitable meltdown even if the Bears have a lead by talking some nerd stuff and we've got quite the interesting show we are of course going to continue our coverage of Doom Patrol uh, titled this week, 1917 patrol as we spend most of the episode with Rita far in the past. And then we're going to, after the break, talk about a couple of heavier topics. We are going to talk about the Netflix, Dave Chappelle controversy that's been happening this week, as well as what I think could be, if it happens a really significant strike in Hollywood. Although as of this recording crisis appears to be on the verge of being averted when we come back from the second break we're gonna cover DC fandom we of course if you followed the bandwagon nerds Twitter account we pseudo live tweeted some of our reactions to what was going on there it was a loaded uh, loaded afternoon and so we're gonna talk about the highlights specifically uh, before we then wrap everything up with my questions, so very excited for this week. But before we get into all of that, let's just do a quick once around and see how people are doing. Ray, how how you feeling today?
3: I'm pretty tired, but actually really excited. You know, we uh, did a hundred episodes last week, so we uh, you know it's a it's a kind of it feels like the the raw after WrestleMania, right? Like, what's next? What's the next goal? And well, we it's have so no, cool. We have no debuts today. <laughs> we do not. Maybe no, we don't. But uh, it's cool that Fandom dropped and gave us like something really cool to drop in right afterwards. So I'm excited. Very excited for today.
2: Excellent, Mister Tony. How about yourself? How you doing, man?
4: I'm 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 okay. I'm just trying to relax, you know. Sundays.
2: There you go. Oh. Uh, you you tell us, Aaron, Dave. Dave, how are you over there with your Washington football team background and your you got your mic under control now? You've got the headset on, it looks like. So we're good we're good.
5: Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the mic that dropped. It was something else that (laughs) dropped on the floor. But nope, doing okay. Watching uh the fact that the Chiefs haven't put up forty on Washington in the first half is shocking.
2: How uh how was your Fright Fest experience? Your annual Fright Fest experience. I know you did that earlier in the weekend.
5: Oh, that was good, man. That at, was at I mean, Six Flags Magic Mountain, right? Yes. After a year of not having it to be able to go back and 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 do that was, I mean, I, Fright Fest is great, man. It it's 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 a lot of fun. The zombies were a little bit more interactive with people. It wasn't just scary. And they actually stopped to take photo ops this year, which was nice, but uh did all six mazes, three of them twice. So, it was um, Wow, what was the theme music for that for? I I don't even that it was it, it wasn't was, me. That no, was me. I'm
2: sorry. Yeah, I was right. like it was totally Ray. I was like everybody I did like I'm doing um, my
5: homework. I did like how on uh fandom yesterday we were live tweeting with each other more than
2: we actually did on the Twitter <laughs> account. Yeah. I, I... <sighs> It was sort of an improv. I didn't think I was going to... We'll we'll talk about that later. We'll get to that later on the show. What what we're going to do first, though, is we're going to kick up some Doom Patrol music and talk about Rita Farr's travel through time. As Rita Farr, uh, world-renowned time traveler uh, after the music. So, Dave, if you could, please... All right, thank you very much. Before we get into Rita Fars traveling through time, where we learned about the origins of the Sisterhood of the Dada of Dada, um, Ray, you and I had this fun moment last week where we talked about Cliff and the internet, and that Cliff was going to do something stupid. I know Cliff's an idiot. Did we? Do? You, is he really that big of an idiot? yes sell his brain and schematics to a stranger who will inevitably be like the brain or somebody like that to me like cliff selling his his teammate stuff kind of bought selling his brain and schematics seemed almost like a bridge too far like that he was like well maybe i shouldn't yes i should like that just seemed too much so he's really that lonely is that what we're going
3: with here Well, I mean, come on, man. You got a few. They make it really hard to feel for these guys, but you kind of got to feel for them because they were all really, really good in their chosen professions. Got screwed out of a life. Got made into something that they couldn't be themselves anymore. And in Cliff's situation, he was already an idiot before he became the Tin Man. Yeah, man. You know, like, he's very lonely, but he's also really stupid. And also, he doesn't care anymore. Because whether he lives or dies, he doesn't care. It was like, fuck it, I'm going to just enjoy the day while I got the
2: day. But but doesn't he care? Because doesn't he want to be a a nice pop-pop for his grandchild? Like Isn't that that the thing? Like He wants to be a better person?
3: That is the thing until he started realizing that something was wrong. And I think when they actually died, that set off something in his mind that he really doesn't give a flying fuck about anything anymore. You know, I mean, I think about how he's just downing the what are what the dopamine things right in his brain and he doesn't care. All, so. right, all right. Dave, Dave,
2: what about you? Do you think Cliff's too far gone? Do you think this is in his character or do you think it's a little too much? Well, I think the last thing Ray mentioned that he's got,
5: he's definitely impaired because he's downing all of these dopamine, you know, super steroid inhibitors, extractors, stimulants, whatever the fuck they are. Uh, so, Clearly, he's not in his right mind. Not that his mind was ever right to begin with, but it's extra wrong now. So he's making poor decisions. He's engaged in online gambling. He's got a cam girl on, on there as well. It's fucking hilarious. She cares thing. about him. Yeah. Why? Of course she hey, does. Of course she does, Cliffy. Um, and, and yeah, like you're saying, he's selling uh nuclear secrets for, you know, Whatever the hell he's selling
2: it he's for, sell, he's selling his schematic. They, 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 that's the thing that's might weird. might as well be like,
5: nuclear secrets with him. Though. Is,
2: his brain and schematic that just, I mean, I, I get it. Cliff's going to make bad decisions. They're all going to make bad decisions. Well, this one just seemed to me it was almost too much of a bad decision. Yeah, and, Tony, what do you think? Go ahead, PC.
4: I, yeah, you just got to remember who he actually is, who the brain is, right? Like he was never, uh, you know, a Rhodes Scholar or anything. He was a. What was he? he was like a NASCAR driver, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while he is intelligent in some ways in others, not so much. So, and basically he is pretty much stuck in that period of time as well. I I believe with, with his intelligence. So he's, he's a little behind there. Uh, I think it's more interesting that, um, Vic stone decides he might want some synthetic skin.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we got a we got a little bit of his uh, his journey today or, or this week as well, uh, and yeah, he ends up at the clinic looking and I and I loved the moment. And I'm glad you called him Vic Stone because I loved the moment That's when he's, he's at the reception yeah. and the woman was like, "Oh, cyborg, uh, looking. I don't see an appointment." He's like, "It's under my real name, Vic Stone," and she was like, "Oh, right," which sort of doubles down on this concept of people not seeing him as a human being and that really kind of being where what he's looking for is his humanity so dave i'll bounce it back to you uh cyborgs cyborgs little subplot um and vic stone
5: yeah i mean cyborg is is to me i mean i know the first what is this this is episode six right that we're on yes yeah I, I know the first six episodes have been uh, tilted a little bit more Rita centric but Cyborg's got to me the more interesting story going on as he goes down this path towards trying to figure out who he is and what he is and what he's supposed to be and, and goes he goes to the site where he saw his mom in the afterlife and, and trying to reconcile it with who he is but yeah Cyborg's story is is fascinating as he tries to it seems like he's trying to regain some of his humanity that I don't really think he's ever lost, but in his mind he's lost it. And he's, he's at the point now where he thinks synthetic skin and looking more human is going to fix all this, which we know it's really not, but it, it, you know, it's, it's the journey. That's the fun part to watch with cyborg. And uh, his story is very, very interesting at this point in time as to, you know, how, how he's going to get to wherever he is, which I'm assuming is some level of acceptance, maybe
3: by the end of the season.
2: Oh, I sure hope so. Ray, what do you think? What do you think Vic's going to do here?
3: Well, uh, first and foremost, I, I think that the synthetic skin thing is actually going to end up how he his whole body turns to be metallic, like in more along the comics, more along the Ray Fisher line, because if you look at him where he is in his development, he still has skin all over his body, right? So it's just portions of his body are the cybernetic implants and the cyborg we know everything except for half one part of his face is all cybernetic number one number two i feel for the kid because the entire the entirety of his livelihood as cyborg he's been under the impression it was this or die and he worked through that to kind of accept that hey well this is who i am so at least i have a purpose now i'm a superhero his mama fucked all that up when she said, Well, you didn't have to have that. There was a third option. And now he's trying to reconcile with that. Like, well, I thought this was, was who I had to be, be, who I was because this is who I had to be. But now there was a different option. And so now his mind is all messed up. Long story short, uh, I hope, I know uh, Tony is a big fan of Giovanni Wade and this cyborg. I hope this is the end of cyborg going into this season with Doom Patrol. And I hope it's moved over to Titans because. He's great, but, man, it just doesn't fit.
2: Maybe. I mean, we'll see. It's uh, He was part of the season four panel that showed up on, uh, or the season four, like, promo yeah. that showed up on uh, Fandom. So I, I don't know that oh. I buy that, bro.
3: Good point. Bro. Uh, good point. Uh,
2: so we've also got Jane uh, allowing... Uh, facing some conflict more conflict within the other personalities uh amongst uh in in her little storyline plot we had like sort of a near miss with the uh with the little girl Kate yep as she uh steals a bike I was I was concerned she was going to get caught stealing the bike and that that was going to be the problem and no it was more of a stranger danger sort of thing uh and we see as is kind of inevitable with this sort of story and and uh, here's what i don't like about crazy jane right now we're we're, we're dealing with i feel like a recycled storyline uh, just with sort of a with with a slightly different take on a personality within kate that doesn't like what jane's doing so we're going to stop jane from doing it or try to stop jane from doing it first it was you know you know jane's trauma now you know and and her father now it's it's this psychologist character that is rallying troops to keep um, Jane from doing uh, what what she feels is right. And I get it. I just don't – I don't know. It just feels kind of like she's running in place a little bit. And maybe that's me in terms of her own sort of harking and growth. Um, Dave, you can go first this time. I think you're the only one that has first yet. Well, Jane, yeah, Jane's story
5: is, is like, it's all about who's the primary and, and which personality is, is at the forefront of whatever is going on with, which I mean, the problem with Jane that I've always had is like, you never really get a good feel for okay. In reality, who is his character? We know there's 64 personalities, or maybe less now since some got killed off, all kind of like some vying for control, some are supporting characters. And, and with Jane, it's just like, okay, the, the the Jane personality is now primary, but she's trying to help Kay, I guess, supplant her and bring the girl toward the forefront so that maybe it helps to heal all of them. And And I thought this episode was was cool because you see Kay starting, you know, and, and, and I'm trying to reconcile that Kay's supposed to be just this little girl character, the damaged little girl character. But Jane's trying to get her to grow up a little bit. She teaches herself how to ride a bike. It does get very scary when, you know, oh. Who's a stranger here who turns out to be pretty innocuous in the long, in the grand scheme of things, but everybody freaks out about it. So yeah, the, the Jane storyline, I, I, I mean, I'm okay with it. I tend to agree with you, Pat. It's a little, it seems kind of recycled in some places, but I get what they're trying to do. It's just that, you know, all the, the politics of the underground is, is it's interesting, but it, it kind of leaves me feeling a little detached from the rest of what's going on with doom
2: patrol right either uh Tony, ray either one of you go ahead and weigh in whoever wants to go first
3: so the jane situation you have to look at the 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 actual point of the character And you know? so i don't think it's it while it is rehashing maybe a better word and you may have used rehashing forgive me if, I, if if you did i don't remember that but i don't think it's necessarily bad because the entire point of the character is jane isn't real none of those personalities are real they're all figments of Kay's imagination based on her abuse that became part of her multiple personality disorder that that somehow how her brain constructed this underground where her other personalities come forward to protect Kay. and i think the reason why it's so interesting and why it's different now is because Kay doesn't need protecting anymore miranda got beaten her daddy got beaten the actual illness, the sickness got beaten. So now Jane, who is the primary, who's I well, what she's like the third or fourth primary, but the current one, right. realize realizes, well, if K's good, then what's the point? And I think the other ones realize what, what Jane doesn't realize. And maybe Jane does, but the other ones realize, especially the psychologist or psychiatrist, whatever whatever the term is, if you make if you put K back out and Kate becomes back in the world again, we don't exist anymore. And I think that's the thing Jane either doesn't realize or doesn't care about. No, I think Jane knows full well.
2: I think Jane knows full well and sees her role in helping Kate as helping her realize that. I think the other person... Because you look at the joy she has watching her and the concern she has watching her grow and develop. It's not like it's not from a place of like it's just it's it seems genuine. And sure. so to me it's and the and then that confrontation when Jane's like facing off with with that personality, and I can't remember that that one's name, where basically she's like what's the problem? And that that personality really can't answer it cuz we all know what the problem with that is. Yeah. She's like exactly so and I think she, Jane knows full well.
3: To your point, last week when they were in the fog, and the fog kept trying to ask her, "Well, who are who is Jane?" and she was like, "Shit, I don't know." And right. I think that's to your point. She, I think, she's coming to realize that my entire point of existence is to get Kay healthy again.
2: Right. So yes,
3: yeah, yeah, great, great point. Before
2: we get into the big point, Larry Trainer, he, he had a. An interesting interaction with his son, uh, a little bit of a back and forth there, to say the least. Um, but that was really kind of about it with him. I don't know that there's much that we want to follow up with there. Um, Tony, you got something?
4: Didn't he? Didn't he throw up the caterpillar?
2: He no, that was in
4: next week's episode. Like that oh, was the okay. clip for
2: for next yeah. week on Doom Patrol. All- Larry Trader gives birth uh-huh. to a parasite.
4: It looked like that was and the that, end of the episode in my brain, well, so I missed that. And
2: if I remember the line, I can't remember what she says, where she's like, "We all know what we should do with with a parasite that we've expelled from our body," and he's like, "Name it," <laughs> and she's just like, "What are you doing?" Um, yeah, Larry, Larry kind of, yeah, had this moment with his with his son, where they kind of argued over over larry not being there and and that that reality i don't know that it really achieved much other than kind of kept you know had larry facing up that hey i wanted to be a part of this family I couldn't be a part of this family. Uh, We still haven't gotten to the big elephant in the room as to really why he wasn't a part of this family uh, once his children were born. I I mean, if I could, I
5: I thought it was important that Larry really shed some of his guilt at this moment and said, Mm -hmm. I'm tired of feeling guilty because, yeah, I wanted to be there, but I couldn't because I was locked away in a facility and I'm wrapped in bandages so I don't kill everybody with my radioactivity. And yet you want to guilt me into all this bullshit. Fuck you. Get out. So I thought that was a big moment for Larry as far as his progression.
3: Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. Uh, yes, there is a big portion of his life where he just could have and did it. But there's also a major portion of his life where he was locked up, where he was radioactive, where he did have the negative spirit, where he was terrified that if I get around a regular person, they will die. So, there, yeah, like it, it felt good to see him kind of accept his situation because so much of Larry Trainer has been um kind of downtrodden, don't believe in himself, you know, down on his luck kind of guy. And I, maybe it's because the negative spirit is gone that he's starting to get this power in himself. But it's good to see because uh he has a lot to offer. He's kind of like the voice of reason in the house.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I can't wait to see what we do with the larva next week. That'll be really, really interesting. We're gonna, okay. We're gonna so let's get... going to name, name
4: it? it, Tony? Name yes. it whatever you want. Don't name it, Tony. Maybe name it
2: Relax, right, Tony?
4: I don't know. We know how to spell it.
2: All right. So let's get to the main event. Rita far travels back in time. She pops up in 1917. That became the title of the episode where she is immediately... Uh She pops up in this farmhouse, right? Uh, strip woman's there, is very, very polite at the farmhouse. Uh Rita goes to use the restroom. By the time she comes out, she is visited by the Bureau of Normalcy and taken into custody where she is immediately evaluated by one Madame Rouge slash I've already forgotten her name again. Dave, help me out. Laura DeMille. Laura DeMille. Oh, I'm sorry. I could have gone to you too, Tony. Um, no,
4: that's not what I meant. Was just oh. I was just—I can't believe you forgot it.
2: I forget. I mean, I forget at least one character that's name a week, man. That's his gimmick, Tony. You know crazy. that. No, oh, it's—I it's, genuinely forget the fucking name of the characters. There's so many of them, and I'm—you know—early onset dementia or something for me. That's—that's that's what it is. Anyway, um, so yeah, Laura DeMille is part of the Bureau of Normalcy. She is a, appears to be a scientist or somebody evaluating metas, determining whether or not they are weapons or something else, something useless. She determines Rita to not be a weapon, and she gets placed into a mailroom. Rita quickly meets the other metas in the Bureau of Normalcy who all just so happen to be members of the sisterhood of dada that were encountered in their future uh off on this little campsite slash forward resort and we get a brief touch point of now it's called a rita falls in love uh that or at least falls in lust uh, i think we can call it love but um has an attraction a connection to one of them in there your, your bicycle character is, is there the fog is there everyone is there um, and you learn that there is a very distinct hierarchy within the Bureau of Normalcy with these folks that are working there, um, under Ms. DeMille. So reactions to the 1917 patrol, uh, Dave, go ahead. Oh, um, I mean, this part was really,
5: I, I liked this part. I, I mean, to me, like I was commenting to my wife watching it as like, you know, that made, that made more sense than last week. And you get to see the origins of the sisterhood of Dada and, and, and exactly who they were, which is kind of like, yeah, they're they're within the Bureau of Normalcy, but they're not so much the ones that are under lock and key, like, say, um, Flex Metallo, you know, who was taken and put into a cell. These guys are out milling around. They're doing they're serving a purpose. They're doing something. But yet they're still they're still definitely segregated greatly. But I found the part about the best part about it to me was was when you look at Rita and how she's able to use her elasticity powers without inhibition because all of that shit in her head is now gone. So it's it's interesting to me to say, okay, when you look at all the trouble that she's had in the previous episodes with using that power, like cyborg kind of getting on her about you're not even a real superhero. You don't even know how to use your stuff. And then you see her here using it to sort mail at whim with no issue at all. That to me was really interesting to kind of say, okay, well what's really blocking Rita other than her own mind. And, and you come to the conclusion, conclusion that that's it. But yeah, Lord, DeMille and her progression, you know, and, and they do seem, I know like in some of the behind the scenes stuff, they do kind of talk about a dividing line between Madame Rouge and Laura DeMille. And we haven't really seen the Madame Rouge character come to the forefront yet. Right now, Laura DeMille is like, she's like, uh, yeah, I'm one of the hierarchy, like you said, Pat, of the Bureau of Normalcy. But behind the scenes, she's really a meta. But we don't really, ki- and well, she's a shapeshifter. I take that back. I was going to say we don't know what her powers are, but she's a shapeshifter. So, yeah, it's interesting. the The guy who, uh, what did he, the guy Rita's love interest who loses his heart and has it replaced with a canary, fascinating. Yes, interesting. To totally the, makes sense totally makes it's a doom patrol I'm sure there's some there's some science there i'm sure well i mean this is the thing about doom patrol is they introduce all these weird like we got muppet doom patrol coming up in a future episode i know yep. that's got to make you happy pat uh so it it was it was a very interesting the the background of sisterhood of dada and you just wonder okay they seem kind of happy-go-lucky and and these improvisational dances that they do especially in the lunchroom Whenever all the shit goes yep. bad, and you look at where they are then, and when you see who they evolve into by the time we get to that fog scene and the eternal flagellation, whatever that is, it's like, wow, okay, what went wrong in that intervening time frame? I assume that's what we're about to find out.
2: I mean, everything apparently went well, wrong, right? Hey, I haven't gotten you to weigh in uh, lately. Jump in. What? Do you, what were your thoughts on Rita back in time? It's uh,
4: well, first of all, piffle, paffle. It's all been excellent.
3: Um, Call, call, call.
4: (laughs) What interesting interactions they have uh, in private. Uh huh? I mean, that was pretty interesting and and fun. Um, I'm just looking forward to where we're going to get her. At some point, she's got to remember who she is, right? Like Laura DeMille also did. So I'm looking forward to that. Maybe it's next episode. I know next episode is therapy patrol. So we'll see how that works out for everybody. Um, I, I I didn't get to mention it before. I I hope they get rid of, start getting rid of characters, um, for Kay in her head. And it comes down to more centered storylines there with Jane and other people. Um, I think that'd be interesting, but with, as far as Rita goes, are we going to get to see that point where she pushes herself, you know, like she, like she thinks she already met herself. Are we going to get to see that from the other side? So that would be really interesting to me as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Right. Yeah, I think that those are all really, really good points and we'll we'll have to see where she goes from here because we still haven't finished that journey and we got that very ominous fire appearing at the very end of the episode where Piffle Paffle uh, popped up there on the wall. So we're, we're not done just yet. Final thoughts on the episode before we take our first break of the episode.
5: I, I felt This episode kind of got i mean because the series has been a little a little loose so far in episode three as far as you know having a cohesive like i don't know it's it's felt a little off to me so far but this episode seemed to really center it moving forward as to kind of okay we still know you know niles and 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 dorothy we've got to figure they're coming back into the frame in these last four episodes but i i like this episode a lot possibly my favorite one of uh season three so far
3: it is uh, interesting to me that the Sisterhood of Dada was basically like a cosplay, a marginalized cosplay <laughs> video club that right. now, because of something Laura DeMille did, became dangerous. Because last episode, when they realized that Doom Patrol was there because of Laura DeMille, every single one of them got mad. Laura DeMille, ah! So clearly right. she did something, right? Also, exactly. um, yeah, man, we we've all said multiple times Rita is the key behind this entire season, and maybe behind the entire group. And um, something about this will something about this episode I think, is to be the linchpin for who she continues to be going forward. Because I did notice that Dave, all of a sudden now you got your powers and you can use them, right? And they're teaching you how to control. You know, when she got nervous when they did the ka. In the room, and the you know, canary heart was like, Hey, by the way, calm down, you're good. So, that's interesting going forward. Um, and also that fire at the end, Lord of the Mills getting her memory back, and that's bad for everybody.
2: I agree 100%. We'll see what happens next week. Now that I know that episodes drop on Thursday, I'll, I'll watch them even earlier than when I was before i was completely on friday i think it was just on ted lasso schedule um, uh now that ted lasso season two is wrapped up um i don't know what to look for i don't know to look for a new streaming show until friday so we're going to take our first commercial break uh of the episode when we come back we're going to talk about a couple of heavier topics and, uh, one a pretty heavy scandal rocking netflix right now the other a uh worker strike that could or could not happen as early as Monday uh, that would have a very big impact on Hollywood. Uh, we'll catch you on the flip side in one minute and 16 seconds. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
4: pwx over the top shine and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only 5.99 per month get your free trial today at
0: powerslam.tv go to powerslam.tv promo code chair shot get your free month again that's powerslam.tv promo code chair shot
3: the chair always use your head
2: all right welcome back and I decided, you know, Ray. I loved it. You were like, "Take, you know, we've hit a hundred episodes. Kind of relax, enjoy it, bask in the moment, ha- have a have a fun one hundred first episode." And I decided, nope, nope. Dang. I want to talk about some heavy stuff today. I want to talk about first. We're going to talk about Netflix and this Dave Chappelle controversy and the fallout that has happened since because it has gotten ugly. Uh for lack of a better way to describe it, it has gotten very, very ugly, very, very fast. And just kind of getting some thoughts and some takes on this. We're probably sorry if this isn't your thing, folks. we we might get a little soapboxy. It'll be it'll be interesting um to see where this goes. But this has turned into quite a huge news story. Uh and for those of you who haven't caught up recently. Netflix released a a Dave Chappelle comedy special. Now this isn't the first and and is not slated to be the last as there is an agreement with the company and Dave Chappelle. I'm not sure how many there is left, but that's, that's been a thing. Like Dave Chappelle and Netflix have, they've already released, I think two at this point. I do believe there's more to come. This
3: was was his last one.
2: This was his last one. Okay. So anyway, so Never mind on that. I know nothing, and everybody can mock me for my lack of institutional knowledge about Netflix. Regardless, uh, within the context of this last special, uh, and I haven't watched the special, so I'll, I'll be upfront on that. Haven't seen it, don't intend to see it. Uh, haven't watched anything by Chappelle in a while. Um, have always appreciated his uh, challenging of norms and boundaries. Uh, but somewhere along the way, I think after his hiatus from the, cha- you know, when he left the Chappelle Show and sort of disappeared, like I just kind of lost interest in, in his work. And so it's it's not really even like I dislike his comedy or his brand. I just kind of stopped following him. But uh, certainly followed the news today or uh, this week as there was some sort of transphobic um, content within the special that led to a response from uh, several members of the trans community, including an employee who was critical of the comedy special. Uh, That employee, along with two others, were suspended and then reinstated after allegedly crashing a meeting uh, amongst the the board of directors. Uh, There's been talk of a walkout, uh, being organized for uh, by the trans employees within Netflix because Netflix has doubled down in their support of Chappelle. Uh, and the most recent bit of news that I've seen came from The Verge noting that uh, a member, uh, an employee, um, a trans black employee who is currently pregnant was fired. Um, from netflix for allegedly leaking uh confidential information within the company uh, metrics about the special to the press uh that person denies it uh and has said no they didn't do that but um this person was also one of the folks who was allegedly a part of organizing the walkout and so all of this stuff is going on right now the the Netflix side of things, much like when we talk about the Disney corporation and things like that, um, certainly has been look, has been villainized and, and looks to be, um, at least being portrayed by a lot of the media outlets. that I'm seeing as, as the, on the wrong side here. Um, I think the response has been pissed for, um, I think that some of the decisions that were made, um, when you look at, at kind of the, the whole contents of the big picture, Netflix definitely should have handled this differently and better and has made some poor decisions along the way. And I don't know. I just, I don't, it'll be interesting to see where this goes next. Um, I'll take a show of hands as to who wants to wade in first and just give their their sort of initial reactions to this story as it's unfolding. Um, here next...
3: First. Okay. I'll go first. Thanks. Ryan. Uh, yeah, no I'm usually the most fearless of the group, so I'll go first. go. Uh, um so first and foremost, this is a situation where everybody involved is right and wrong at the same time, as a lot of times situations are. This is a very this is a very nuanced situation because people like to look at things based on like you're reading it off a piece of paper and then garner judgment take judgment off of that. It's way deeper than that. First and foremost, I understand the trans community and and anybody involved with LGBTQIA+, I get why they're upset with Dave. They have credence for that because this is not the only special he's gone after them. He's gone after them for multiple specials. Yeah, it's been going on for a while. For a while. And this special, the overwhelming majority of it was about them. So, like, nobody likes to feel like they're being picked on. And um, I made this correlation to a friend of mine the other day. I'm a black man. You three gentlemen are white men. If someone makes fun of our race comedically, it's not going to affect our livelihood. A lot of the times in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community, especially when you're talking about trans people, when you make fun of them and you normalize jokes on them in a certain manner, it can be life or death for them. The rate of Trans people and suicides is ridiculously high. The rate of trans people being attacked, in comparative to any other group, is ridiculously high. So I get where they're coming from. I also understand Dave's point. Dave made some very salient points in his in his uh, um, special. As as well as some shit where he said that made you like ugh. But he made some salient points. The, the joke about the baby was was a, was funny, but it. It made you think whether it was right or wrong. It made you think the baby is a rapper, right? Who was recently in the news, got quote unquote canceled. You know how the world is because he went out of his way to like attack gay people for no reason, and he deserved to be admonished for that. But this is also the same dude that killed somebody in a Walmart because he was being attacked and killed him. And Dave made the joke, well, this is a world where you can get canceled for making for saying something wrong about gay people, but not killing somebody. Now, the context of that is way bigger and deeper, but Dave is very much a person who is likes to sub, likes to subverge norms as you you put it perfectly he likes to challenge those norms he's also a person that will pick and pick and pick and pick and pick just because he can, and I think that's where a lot of the anguish and the hurt and the anger comes from so that being said um oftentimes. I am a firm believer in you don't stand up or don't need to stand up for billionaires or major corporations. And I think Netflix, like you said, has really, really handled a lot of this rollout bad. The CEO was on hand of saying that it can't be transformed because it's too important to the community. No, it can be both. Right. Right. But, but I think the thing that, and and a lot of times, um, and I'll cite Dave in this because he mentioned his friend, Daphne, who was a trans woman in San Francisco, who is a comedian, stuck up for him and then was ostracized by the trans community. And then unfortunately committed suicide because she felt alienated in her own world, in her own skin. It's a horrible story, but he talked about that ad nauseum in this, in this, in this, in this thing. And I think the point he was trying to make there was that this, I don't mean to be controversial. I'm trying to be honest and trying to be as, as straight laced and just tell the situation as general, but I think the point he was trying to make was in, in certain situations, it feels like you can't win or you can't lose unless you're doing exactly what that community wants you to do, right? And c- citing Daphne, Daphne was a member of that community, a willing, happily happy member of that community, proud. And she was ostracized because she didn't fall in step. She didn't fall in line because the whole world wanted to hate Dave Chappelle, and she didn't. So in these Netflix situations, all of these people who have done these things, the person who leaked the stuff to the press or the pers- the people who broke into a confidential uh, meeting deserve to be admonished and reprimanded. Because in any other world, in any other company, in any other business, if anybody did that, if I did that in my job and I broke into a CEO's room because I didn't like what they were doing, if Dave did that, if Tony did that, Patrick, if you did that, we'd all, we'd be fired. We wouldn't be suspended. We'd be fired. You know, so like, the nuance matters, but this is such a divisive and such an incendiary topic. And I think the, the biggest issue out of all of this is, a lot of people have come to me talking about this and say, well, why can't the trans community just take a joke? Well, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. Dave Michelle Chappelle has made a career making fun of everybody. But I also think You have sometimes empathy rules more than being right. And that's I think that's the thing Dave hasn't understood or doesn't care is that he's right now on a quest to prove a point and to be right. Right. That people have have created, have allowed this idea of cancel culture to permeate real culture. And it's not real. It is just a figment of people's imagination because everybody who's been canceled still make money still have a level of relevance, right? And the people who quote-unquote are canceled probably did something that was going to take them out of the public view anyway. So this idea of that doesn't exist. And so now comedians are quote-unquote fighting back with this idea that uh, I have to stand up for the medium and for the art form. Cat Williams says something, and I I will never ever quote Cat Williams in any form or fashion unless it's a joke, but it was very salient when I heard it. He said... If you can't be funny without hurting someone's feelings, you're not funny. And I just, it's, it's okay. I think in certain situations, if the person's okay with, or the people or the audience you're going after is okay with certain types of com of, com- of comedy, much like music, there are certain types of music you can play in certain worlds that you can't, you cannot play a guar or a slipknot for my family because they're, Southern Baptist Christian people. They won't rock with it, right? It's just so you have to know your group. Dave is the biggest comedian in the world, and with respect to Richard Pryor, maybe the biggest comedian ever. And I think he has focused so much and so hard on this one particular topic that has hurt his career and is hurting the people around him to the point where he is smart enough to realize the last thing he said in that uh, special was I promise you, everybody in the LGBTQ community, I will never make another joke about you until you and I both understand that we're laughing at the same thing. That's the best damn thing he said the entire special. And I say this as a person that laughed at a good majority of the special because I thought it was clever and funny. I thought there were parts that was very rough and hard to get through and that didn't need to be said. They don't give a fuck. I don't think we've ever met a person in in the public sphere who gives less of a fuck than Dave? And that's a gift and a curse. So, all in all, Netflix really should have handled this better. But you cannot admonish them for taking care of their business. Well, what's your what's your response
2: to the uh, to the argument that they were terminated on suspicion of leaking metrics to the press related to this special, and that there are multiple folks that say that they didn't that the uh, the person who was fired had shared metrics internally that they spoke out about the leaks to colleagues Mm -hmm. worried that they might hurt the walkout movement. It seems strange that that person was fired. Um, you know what I mean? And, and and Netflix probably isn't going to come out and be like, like Netflix statement again is basically that we thought that this was, and the same thing with, um, the suspension of Tara field, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, you know the initial story that came out, and I was I was right there with you. Was oh, this person just like this person and two others burst into this office. They weren't invited to make this big statement. Then it turns out that there they were they the folks in question received an email seeking feedback regarding what had happened. They thought it was an invitation to the meeting. It really wasn't. So mm-hmm. their argument is that we came, which is why Netflix then reversed course. Absolutely. Uh, and so I just I find the context on i particularly the firing, interesting. Because Netflix, like, everything says on suspicion of doing this thing. So they, I mean, I, I would hope that they have something a little more concrete than a suspicion. Like, Ray, I think you did this. You're no longer on Bandwagon Nerds.
3: Seems a little, hey. little dicey. I mean, it's happened to me before um
2: sure and it, i think is it it's also is it an accident that the one black person
3: that's speaking out
2: the one trans black out? person trans black person well let no me, nobody else has been fired over this that i know of
3: no right let me say this one thing real quick and then i'll i'll save I'll my time um okay. i would I, I i don't trust corporations so by by every metric and by every stretch of the imagination they could just be doing this to get ahead of an issue but i will say this I used to work at a nursing college, and there was uh, many situations where students would would say, hey, well, I tried to turn in my my uh, assignment, but it wouldn't accept my assignment on the blackboard or whatever it is it's called, right? And right. the teachers, would, the professors would be like, no, nah, you full of shit. And they would always reach out to me to, to go look or have the engineers look and see, well, could they have done that? Every single time they did that the engineers were able to look and see the exact time that they had an, a, a a a file or a PDF or or whatever it was uploaded on the site, and then, then something happened on the site. So the my point is, there is a way to tell every single thing that happens, no matter how finite. Sure. So I would hope, and this is very much a hope and not a no, I would hope to God Netflix would have the requisite proof that they knew this happened without firing this person. Because if not, that is going to be a shitstorm that they are not prepared for.
2: Right. Dave, why don't you jump in there and then we'll go to Tony? Well, first,
5: Ray's last comment is shitstorm Netflix is not prepared for. I disagree completely. They're prepared for it. You know, they're, okay. they're a big corporation, a huge corporation with lawyers on hand. And here's the thing is that look the fact of the matter is that these metrics showed up in what is Bloomberg or something like that. So the numbers that they're talking about show up in a press source somewhere else. And it it doesn't matter what your color is, what your gender is, what your pregnancy status is. If you leaked internal information and you didn't have the right to do that, yeah, you deserve to get fired. And and, and that's, that's the long and short of it. Now, whether Netflix has the, the proof to back that up. I don't know. But here's the other thing is that with that story, we don't know what this employee's performance record was like. You know, we don't know whether she's been reprimanded before, whether there were previous performance. I see this all the time with the work that I do, where there's much more to the story from the employer standpoint that look, we reprimanded her here for doing this and here for doing. So you don't know if this is some progressive discipline sort of thing and that this was just the the tip of the iceberg and, or the straw that broke the camel's back. So, yeah, you don't know that. But sure, if, if Netflix doesn't, if they just fired her pretextually on, on the grounds that we think she leaked this stuff and we need to get rid of somebody who could possibly be a whistleblower, then, yeah, that's a big problem for Netflix. Um, we'll see how they respond to that. But the, the whole thing that you guys are talking about, to me, it's kind of like it's a microcosm in a lot of ways of everything that's going on with society right now. And, and, and everybody's got kind of competing interests and you've got Netflix on their side saying, we support Dave Chappelle's, you know, right a free speech, right to say what he wants on the special. We're making lots of money off of this stuff. And let's get down to that as well. A lot of this has to do with money and Netflix makes a lot of money off these specials. And you've got the competing interest with a, a, a class of, of people who have been marginalized and humiliated and and just denigrated for decades who are now starting to get some recognition of their rights and support from the community at large saying, hey, this stuff really bothers us. I mean, let's be honest. Eddie Murphy has been going in on this same uh, on gay people since he made fun of Mr. T being gay and all that stuff. And it was funny back in the 80s. But
2: you know, it's but funny to who that's, I think that's the real thing is And this is what, what I really find problematic. Did you laugh at in what end, does it matter? I did end. or didn't. Cause you're asking. Does it that you make it funny? Funny? Well, yeah, sure. My, my white straight ass. If I, I'm laughing at that joke, does that make it right? Does that make it? And, and this is the thing that I, I'm always challenged with, with comedy. And I'm always conflicted about with comedy is that sure. It didn't hurt me. But as as Ray eloquently put out put out there, like it reinforces so much sometimes that does lead to self harm. That does give people a license to run with those abuses to other folks. And, and I and I see it all the time. Like Ray and I's relationship is such. I, at least I hope at this point that I may, you know I've made the joke on this show. I'm Ray's favorite oppressor, right? I've made jokes about being racist. I've I've done that um and there's a and there's a trust and a and a level of respect and rapport that the two of us have that Mm -hmm. i i know that i'm not going to harm ray when, when i you know make x y and z joke what i see out of a lot of folks is folks that don't have that filter i understand and make those sorts of jokes to anybody everywhere regardless of environment and then they're like hey you can't take a joke or why why are you being so thin skinned about this? When there are folks that are facing systemic issues that get reinforced by in this in, in a person's mind, and is it necessarily the comedian's fault? Maybe not. You know, is it necessarily Eddie Murphy's fault that he makes a, you know a joke about gay people, and then somebody makes a joke about gay black gay black people, you know, to some stranger because they think, oh, Eddie Murphy tells jokes like this all the time, must be okay. And then it doesn't work. And then something harmful happens. Like it's, it's tough. It's a slippery slope. And I think that we're at a place where people who haven't had a voice to say something is not okay, are saying things are not okay. And I do think it's incumbent upon us to hear why they're saying it's not okay. Right. And and, And I think think that's just hard for, I think that's hard. I think it's hard for me as a white dude to, to hear sometimes.
5: Well, it's an evolutionary processes. I mean, what Eddie Murphy said in delirious in 1982 when is totally different than saying something like that. I mean, you couldn't really say that nowadays because there's a, a different mindset. And and like you're, you guys are saying, it is it is people saying, hey, I didn't have a voice before to say that that really bothers me. I'm saying it now. And so you've got to be sensitive about that. But you've got somebody like Chappelle who is adjusting to this new sensitivity and realizing, hey, you know, maybe what I'm saying isn't so cool because it is making a big class of people who have been marginalized for years feel even worse. Um, you know, see, my dogs are upset about it. So, but um, it, it's 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 a tough situation because like Ray said at the beginning of his conversation, you've got conflicting interests going on. You've got Netflix trying to make a buck. You've got Dave trying to make people laugh. And you've got a lot of those people saying, hey, I'm not laughing. Um, and that's that's going to be, this is going to be a process that takes a few years to really cycle through so that comedians say, how can I approach a situation and tell something that's funny without offending too many people, but at the same time making it funny to people who aren't so easily offended? And, and that's a balancing act that is going to be very difficult for a lot of people moving forward.
3: Here, here's the quick thing. Two quick things. Number one, the things that bothers me about about comedians in in this day and age, Dave Chappelle being the main one, is you can't be offended at me because something you did offended me. You can't be offended at my offense. And I feel like so much of the comedians nowadays are offended that people are offended, may be a strong word, or bothered, that people are offended by what they're saying. It doesn't work. You can't be offended because if someone called me the N-word right now, you can't be offended because I take offense that you call me the N-word. You know what that word means. You know how it's going to make someone like me feel. And I think that's a big part of the issue. And Dave in particular, and I'm a Dave fan. Dave in particular, the the interesting thing, the ironic thing is, this is the same dude that gave up a $50 million contract with maybe the best sketch show in history because he realized white people weren't laughing with him, they were laughing at him, and could not live with that anymore. So now you understand clearly how it feels to be the butt of the joke when you're the one who was supposed to be making the joke and you come back after your hiatus better than ever. And you have spent three specials going after this one community because you can, you're punching down. And if you watch, I know Tony watched it. I don't know if Dave watched it. He spoke about the term punching down. And like, you're punching down on them. They can't fight back with you. Clearly Netflix, if they could fight back, then they could get net. They, they can force Netflix to take your special off immediately. They're not doing it. They they have no, they, there is no fight. They, they have no ammo to fight back and defend themselves. They just got to sit back and take it. And that's what they've done for decades. That's what black people have, have had to deal with for decades. So it's like, it's, you got to be smarter than that. And comedians need to be smarter. And so just because something is funny doesn't mean it's cool. Right. Well, let me throw something out to you right. guys.
2: I want, I want to hear Tony. Tony has said zero words since we started this. Okay. (laughs) You guys are, you guys are really
4: having a great conversation. I I just just don't want to interrupt.
2: It just what I want to say is comedians
5: kind of exist in this, in this, it's almost kayfabe-ish sort of because they're going after, Mm -hmm. uh, they're making fun of people, but a lot of them don't necessarily feel behind the scenes. Don't really feel that way. They're just targeting people because they're, it's low hanging fruit that sort of sure. thing. Do you think that that's kind of a problem with this whole situation? And and I know Dave I, I did the right thing by saying I'm not going to make fun of these people anymore um until we can all laugh together. Three specials later. Yeah, three, three right. specials later. Exactly. Like, well,
4: that's that's the big point right there is that it took this long for the problem to get noticed this much, right? Right. I mean, it should have been handled better by Dave in the sense that it didn't need to be this war that it became. Um I I see points on both sides. Like, I've watched the special. The the intelligence in which Dave crafts his jokes is fairly obvious. He's a very smart man, but he also does some things to purposely piss people off. So this is something that could have been definitely handled better by him, by Netflix, and maybe even by the LGBTQ community as well. It's just – there's no right because it's all pretty – Pretty much wrong. You know what I mean? You're you're testing the boundaries of causing people to commit suicide possibly by, you know, dampering their mentality with constant abuse verbally. Like that's that's something that gets called into question. Whether or not that's exactly what's happening is is left up to the judgment of the public, right? But at the same time, these are things you just don't want to be playing with, in my opinion. So I don't know. Comedy is tragedy over time, right? Isn't that the old saying? But it's just hard to defend everything, considering the movements that we're trying to make as as a people that just inhabit the earth in general. Right. And I know that's coming from a white guy in his you know, middle aged white guy who lives in one of the most segregated cities in the world. But, you know, I. It's, it, takes, it takes everyone, right? I don't know. Ray, you're you're giving me the hand wave there. Was that I mean, jest? you're albino. You're
2: albino, but you
4: know... <laughs> oh, you. oh, oh my, butt- my race. I got it. Okay.
2: <laughs> here's, where, here's where we're going to leave off with this. And, and what I always encourage folks to do is that uh, the important... The, the thing that I see a lot of folks do is when they respond to these um, out there, and, and this is one of the ills of social media, is that it's very quick and, and easy... To make a snap judgment and a call. And there's no good room for dialogue uh, and hearing people's experiences. And one of the things that I'd really encourage folks to do is just to take the time to hear the experience and hear the impact of, of words and comedy and whatever. And this isn't unique to the trans community. Hell, one of the shows that I espouse and have loved and have talked up like crazy, Ted Lasso like there's some real problematic issues with thank you dog uh, there are some real problematic issues in the way that asian people are pers- portrayed in that movie or in that show um in terms of being asexual harmless and sinister there are real problems with the just the overall representation within that show um and the lgbt community has has talked about that a well The the first real like sort of lesbian character you see in that is attempting to hit on a pretty white woman character uh in the very last episode of season two and like that's like the woman's a dog trainer is a dog breeder who you know meets this pr person and is like you know, hitting on the character. It's just, it's, it's just not a, it's not a comfortable joke. And we, you know, especially if you're not part of these marginalized groups, take the time to learn and hear from these folks. Why? Because, you know, from Tara Fields' world or words herself, the problem is that people are responding to something we never said. We aren't complaining about being offended and we don't have thin skin. So it's more than just, oh, this joke upset me. And that's what their point is. This is something that is rooted in long standing oppression, fear, lack of knowledge, and understanding uh, what these human beings are experiencing. So, okay. The other story that um, may or may not be a story by the time this show airs. Uh, because allegedly it may get resolved by Monday, but I still wanted to talk about it because it's kind of flown under the the radar. But I was perusing through my favorite website, io9.com, and I came across this headline on Wednesday that approximately 60,000 IATSE workers are poised to start a nationwide strike on Monday. Now, what is the IATSE That is the international Alliance of theatrical stage employees and their members voted in favor of authorizing a nationwide strike, a move that would immediately ground to a halt. The productions of films and series across the country and the union as of Wednesday, had made it clear that it intends to follow through on its word. So, i'm trying i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna sift through here um but basically the president of the iatse matthew loeb mentioned that they're they're currently in bargaining it's with producers this week and hoping to reach an agreement that addresses core issues such as reasonable rest periods meal breaks and a living wage for those at the bottom of the ma- wage scale it also does have quite a bit to do with um some of the the changes that have happened with uh streaming and its impact again we you know keeps rearing its ugly head the way that streaming platforms have impacted the film industry and and the television industry as a whole and that these i mean these employees are basically asking to to get a pay raise um and to have their break schedules look like and according to this group the these negotiations tend to happen. They talk about striking the production. People are like, okay, okay, whatever. And there's never really been any teeth to it. And they're saying not this time. Uh, On the bright side, I checked uh, again. And yesterday, it sounds like um, they are close to a deal that would avert a crippling Hollywood strike. However, we're not there yet. So Dave, I'll start with you as the lawyer. Um, even though this isn't exactly what you do thoughts about this possible strike and whether or not crisis gets averted do you think that this report from variety that says that they're gonna they're gonna re- reach an agreement comes through um, or or do you think we're striking tomorrow?
5: no i think I think they're gonna reach an agreement I, I think this is an industry that was devastated by the pandemic that is just now starting to Rebound a little bit um, a strike at this point in time would be like you use word of crippling. I think that's a really apropos description, because if you get 60,000 of these people of, of uh, workers striking and and everything production grinds to a halt on all these streaming series on all these movies on everything else that's going on, it's it's devastating to the industry. I mean, even like a week long strike would probably set a lot of this stuff back a month or more as far as production and things like that. And I just don't see that the industry can really sustain that right now. Now, there are going to be obstacles to overcome. And and you mentioned streaming, which I think has really uh, redefined the landscape of things because people, executives, people in the industry, industry insiders don't exactly really have a grasp as figuring out, well, how does streaming numbers correlate to What is a livable wage? What should we be paying actors, actresses, anybody involved in this union uh, as, as far as as something that actually matches up with the numbers that are bearing out from the streaming services? That is a moving target, as we've noted with the whole Scarlett Johansson thing. So figuring out. What can they do? I I don't think the situation gets completely resolved, you know, but it's kind of like the government shutdown sort of thing. We're going to put a band aid on this thing and address it enough so that we can come back to this in like six to 12 months and address it for real. And I think that's what you'll see. They'll, they'll avert this because I think everybody just knows there's too much on the line. This would be the worst possible time to lose any sort of appreciable amount of time to a strike like this. So yeah, I think, I think they'll come up with something to avert this because it, it it's it's too big of a problem
2: if they don't tony you gonna to be okay if they stop production i
4: no. well here's the deal i mean much like this show much like this show crisis will be averted um in this situation as well um anyway uh there's too much money there's too much money to be made uh for for the the people that are making all the money there's too much money to be lost there as well. And I think on the worker's side, there's going to be too much money to be made. I think that's how this problem is going to get solved. I think it's going to be a long-term solution where, I mean, the revenues for these streamings and everything else were in the golden age. The revenue from that has got to be an all-time high for these different content providers. So I don't see why they can't, you know, share the wealth a little bit here.
3: Right, America. America. <laughs> America. Or- if there's any indication, no Pay your people better Pay your people better If they feel the need to have to strike Because you're not paying them enough Pay your people better You make enough money That's all I got to say about this, this It'll get fixed, but it's ridiculous that we're at this point Where these people Who work for the most pop, The most popular And prosperous Outside of porn industry in America And you can't pay them better Man, come on, dog! I ah, clearly can yeah, we, we got can. to get people uh,
4: paid like them. All goddamn their porn people, you know. We got to get the porn people paid. We get the porn and independent the thing. Hey, out. speaking of, of that, they need to get paid better too. Hey, Patrick. Can I get
3: damn, a raise, God damn it, Tony?
2: Can you get a raise, audience? <laughs> uh, the uh, the audience does not appear to like the idea of you getting a raise. I'm sorry. Yeah. Dang man, uh, Tony
4: boom, boom, boom. does one old Boomhauer thing, and then it's Tony falling, raping porn on down, 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 raping a porn, damn, down the thing there.
2: And yeah. keep talking about porn. Porn,
4: uh,
2: porn. yes. Porn. Anyway, here here's my thing. Working with uh, as somebody who has worked with unions, I've never been on uh, a bargaining uh, in a bargaining meeting, but my experience, just from my own update from leadership and works work there, is that it is very, very typical for this sort of stuff to take forever. Uh, to be reached. Yeah, uh, you know when a contract when a contract year comes up, all all like, like they start negotiating the contract two years in front of when the actual date is, and then yeah, a lot of a lot of solutions become stalls to to kind of prevent a strike and to kind of prevent this from happening. I agree, Dave. It would be just it would be devastating to the film and television industry if we had a strike uh, you know I love the writer strike from a few years back now a decade or so ago like that really set television in particular back pretty hard killed a lot of television shows and series and um and yeah people don't want to do that again
4: that's why you always leave yourself a couple series that everybody loves that you just didn't quite catch for a rainy day right
2: Real yeah, like that one about Raymond, you know, because everybody loves Raymond. Um, anyway, you just hope that uh,
5: everybody on both sides is seeing it the same way you are, Pat. That hey, this would be pretty dumb to do this right now. Let's come up with something. I, I mean,
2: I mean, I think they do, but I think that as as Ray would say, "Give me what I want," and they and deserve and, and deserve. And you know, you they're did. asking for a three percent pay increase, <laughs> like
5: a three percent pay. Increase egos get in the way too man that's a big part yes. of these negotiations
2: Pe- people having the right to take a lunch break sounds like something that they should be
3: able to work out you know maybe Scarlett should play a movie where she plays one of these people it she brings awareness will. to it
2: i bet you they're asian too um because it's the joke that never dies. children it children will never as, go children as well yeah Here's that.
3: She's going to play She's gonna play a, gonna play a, a Asian kid? Hey, yes, exactly. That girl, she's fantastic I mean, as an actress. My
2: God. I guess so. All right. On that note, we are going to take our second commercial break. We've got a recorded commercial before we get to that one, though. It is my duty to remind you that if you love what we do here on Bandwagon Nerds, if you love what we do here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, get yourself over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot, just like I did recently and get yourself a shirt that's right fellas it came in the mail there it is bandwagon nerd shirt right there on repping the brand today nobody can see it yep that's that tiny we looked away it. we see it there it is i'm very excited uh, this is yes the bandwagon nerd shirt is just one of the many designs that you can pick up at pro wrestling teas.com forward slash the chair shot you can get things like our various logos sayings from the show um Anything and everything that has to do with the Cherok Shot Radio Network. And you can get it in your standard style for $19.99. I, because I was repping the brand, wanted that to feel good on my giblets. So I spent a few dollars more and got it soft style. So yeah, soft style on the giblets. Mm. That's right. That website again, prorestlingtees.com forward slash the chairshot. Get over there. It's the best way to support us and help us get you premium quality content on a daily basis. When we come back we're going to talk about the event that was DC fandom you are listening to bandwagon nerds on the chairshot radio network a part of the chairshot.com
0: This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything progressing. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShop.com.
2: All right, everyone, welcome back. So I'm pretty sure that Ray, Dave, and I – went wire to wire on DC FanDome. I know for a fact that Tony, I think at least watched the parts of DC FanDome that he wanted to catch. Would that be accurate?
4: I, yeah, you could say that. I, I probably caught a good 30 to 40% of it.
2: 30 to four. That's not bad. That's solid. Out of a, out of a four hour show, that's almost two hours. Um, I got, I got to respect that. Um, But I want to before we get to talking about this, and I want to go back to Dave. Dave, we were going into this show, or we were going into DC Fandom, and you kind of were concerned that there wasn't going to be much to talk about because it was four hours long. Would you like to stand by that statement um, at this time? This is your opportunity to to double down on the lack of content at DC Fandom,
5: I will respectively retract that, uh, that concern that I had because yes, they, they gave us plenty in four
2: hours. Plenty is. And I think what I said to you when, when you brought it up was let's, let's wait, uh, let them actually put out the content before shitting on it. As, and, and here's the quote for everybody that from our good friend Dave, Dave Ungar that he's retracting. Just looking at the site, it really feels like DC mailed it in this year, period. Why bother? Spoken at Friday.
4: Objection, uh, oh. your honor, badgering the witness here. Dude, can't,
3: can't do that to my best friend. Time, Time out. out. <laughs> I, I literally, I can say the word booty butt cheeks and I'll get booed. Dave literally did that and he don't get nothing? I
2: mean, he said he said it in the DMs. He didn't say it like in the program.
3: Well, but you just not, said it on air. I'm
5: not as ballsy as you to put it out there for everybody, Ray. Jeez.
3: <laughs> I just don't want to be bothered with that. Yeah, that's right. They, they
2: hear him. Oh, there goes the headset. There goes the headset. He's out. He's out, everybody. Right? Right, guys. Okay. So, yes. DC fandom. Actually, I was pleasantly surprised by the sheer... You know, there was a lot of quick stuff, right? Because it was four hours. So there's a lot of, like, quick hits uh, of some pieces. But they gave us a lot of footage. They covered all three kind of the, the major entertainment mediums that they wanted to hit. Because they gave us news about comics themselves. Like, some issues and things that are going to be coming out. Um, they gave us some television content, a lot of television content whether that be animated series, whether that be some of the CW series, whether that be The Flash for example. Um we got some Flash news that I know uh T- PC Tony got very excited about. To, of course movies. And so Ray was re- it was it was really funny like after it's all over Ray's like, "Man, I, I wouldn't want to be the one to to have to put the the agenda together." Because you're you know, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I love when we have this much content to 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 be able to pick and choose from. And so I already had a thought at the end of the program of how we're gonna approach DC fandom gentlemen. So within your rundowns, I gave you the five highlight points in my in my view that I feel that we should absolutely one hundred percent cover now, each one of you, should you wish to take advantage of the opportunity, look am looking at Dave and Ray specifically. You get one thing from DC FanDome that is not covered out of the five points that you can talk about and say that you're excited to talk about. So, like, for example, Tony can talk about the gold shoes, and Ray can talk about Young Justice. That's exactly, uh, what I'm going to talk
3: about. It. Hell yes.
2: And Dave can talk about Superman's new um, saying or whatever it is that he wants to do. You get one. You don't get, to, you don't get to run the gamut, and if you do run the gamut, then the live studio audience will let you know their dissatisfaction. Thank you. They will do it. That's it. So also, I'm going to get booed anyway. They will boo. They will boo right over you. They will boo right over you, unless your name is unless your name is Ray Cash, and that'll be the one time they cheer. No, I'm just kidding. They're not gonna That's what you. I
3: gotta do to get you here. Just break the rules. Yeah.
2: Spot no, you. And you're Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's what it is. All right, let's get down to it because there was a ton. The show. I put these in. I think I put these in the order that they appeared within the the context of the of DC fandom. In the four hours we opened. With the biggest action star on the planet, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, giving us our first look at Black Adam. And I was like, that's nice. But you know what really got me excited? Pierce Brosnan is Dr. Fate. That's the right guy, Dr. Fate. You didn't know that was the casting? i did not know that that i if i did know i'd forgotten but to actually see him holding the helmet and to to be doing the thing like that that was great grizzle you know old man pierce Brosnan, looking pretty fly as dr fate we got a very brief one minute sort of sizzle reel trailer out of a four minute sort of behind the scene there's a lot of behind the scenes footage that we caught before they gave us this little trailer um but man, he, he, looks great as black Adam. He really looks great as black Adam. And you know, I, we got a release date, right? I do believe we got a release date out of this one. Let me see. July, July yeah. 29th, 2022, 2022 is going to be a busy year for DC films. Uh, great. Your reaction to black Adam and the footage you saw today.
3: Well, uh, a friend of mine texted me, shout out to my boy Rab Ropes, uh, that he thought it was really cool that uh, he uh, used the Mortal Kombat uh, fatality on Old Boy. Uh, but the dopest part about that whole thing to me was Kandak. or Kendak, Because I think for me, the scenery of these movies makes so much of the movie, right? Like Aquaman would have been terrible if Atlantis looked like trash. Black Panther would have looked terrible if Wakanda looked like trash. These things make the movie so much because these areas and these these new places we're going to, Doctor Strange and, and That World, uh the uh Ant-Man in the Quantum Realm, like these things matter, and I think they make they enhance the movie. And just the way they've made, that they've made it look, it looks amazing. And I'm so hyped for that. So I know The Rock's gonna kill it. I know Pierce Brosnan and old boy that's playing Adam Smasher. And oh, boy, uh I've I gotta remember his name because he's fantastic. But the dude the black dudes plays Hawkman, they're gonna kill it. I know they are. Aldous Hodge. Aldis. I couldn't remember his first name. Aldous Hodge. He's amazing. But dog, the scenery is going to be <clears throat> fantastic. And that's I'm hyped. That, that that got me hyped more than anything. Yeah. Was not go ahead, Tony.
4: Wasn't wasn't Aldous Hodge in one night in Miami, or no, am
3: I getting that wrong? He was he was Jim Brown. Yes. Jim
4: Brown yep that's what I thought, yeah excellent actor sorry, Dave go ahead
5: no no i i I mean, this has been such a long time what the rock's been championing this for what ten years more than ten years almost to almost be, yeah, and to actually see the first bits of it and to see just how powerful black Adam is and and uh, I mean, yeah, we didn't see much. But you saw enough to get excited about it. You didn't even see The Rock's face. But it's great. You know, you got Hawkman. You got Dr. Fate coming in. You got Isis, which is cool that they're actually going to bring her into this whole thing as well. Uh, My thing is I'm thrilled that there's a release date that you know it's coming and it's it's less than a year away. But I can't wait to see Dwayne's how he portrays Black Adam because he's gone on record basically saying it's not going to be your typical villain. So he's going to have to kind of make. You know, how do you make Black Adam, I mean, Black Adam's lore, there is some aspects of it that make him sort of sentimental or a a sympathetic hero. So I can't wait to see how Dwayne pulls this whole thing off. But yeah, I mean, it's just to see any aspect of this that wasn't just a still shot to see something actually happening in a live action minute and a half. Holy shit moment. Yeah, that was, that was awesome.
3: New 52, Dave. What's that? New 52, new 52
2: i just like he disintegrated a dude that's all i needed like first person he sees holds him disintegrates him it was outstanding yeah i i can't i can't wait to see this footage um i can't wait to see the the finished product here i think it's i think it's going to be really really terrific and uh yeah kudos to to dwayne johnson for pulling this off uh anti-hero i think this is going to be in the vein of venom but not comedic you know very much uh, an anti hero sort of character um
4: do we, yeah? are are do we are we on a collision course again, but only this time in d c no any chance down the line
3: you you really you really think <laughs> Santa can stick up to teth adam no.
5: peacemaker's, come gonna, on, yeah, I mean, peacemakers i mean be gonna a get... part
4: of something be a part of something like like a a sequel or something like i mean come on you know that's like that to weave that in there, that would pop a lot of people. Tony, to your once point, in a
5: lifetime.
3: Once. There, there it is. That's what I was searching for. Thank you, Dave. Best to, your, to your point, even though Zachary Levi is fantastic in Shazam, and I know Pat's going to talk about that in a minute, I initially thought John Cena should have gotten that role because of that.
2: You all do realize that outside of like us, people don't know that Dwayne Johnson was a wrestler really anymore.
3: Oh, that's not true. Maybe John Cena, but not Dwayne Johnson.
2: They don't. They don't. They don't primarily think of Dwayne Johnson as a wrestler anymore. Dude, I would. I, I will bet that twenty of
5: our twenty-two lesser listeners know he's a. Okay.
2: wrestler. Okay, we're on a fucking radio network called the Chairshot dot com. You
3: your head.
2: Always use your head. We are not. We are. We are not Joe and Jane. I'm not saying they wouldn't know that he was a wrestler, but that's not how they see him. He's an action star. He's been an action star for over a decade now. Like that's who he is. He's the right. action
4: star. Right. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's not a bodybuilder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really? That's okay. that was your argument. That was weak at best. All right. Moving on. Ezra Miller looks weird, huh? Like oh. that. That, that get-up was a statement um, as he appeared uh, and gave us a Flash movie uh, update trailer, not trailer. He. It's funny. He's like, I'm not going to give you a trailer. And then we got a minute of footage that kind of felt like a trailer. Um, and... Yeah, there wasn't a lot to glean from it other other than you got to see the back of Michael Keaton's head, you got to see a covered Batmobile, you got to see multiple Ezra Millers standing around as we get our glimpse into the DC multiverse in one minute, and a dope new Flash costume that Ezra Miller was wearing that just looks... I thought it looked pretty cool with, the uh, with like the glowing lines through his suit and stuff. Um, I thought that was, that was re- really, really great. Um, we'll start this time with Dave. Actually, no, we're going to go to flash Supervan PC Tony. We'll start with flash Supervan PC Tony, uh, to see how he's going to, first of all, you're going to have to deal with like a different Iris, re- Iris West. I don't know if you're gonna be able, you know, I don't know here who, who Kiersey Clemons is, but, um, what were your thoughts? Did you watch this footage?
4: I did. I did. Uh I well, I think Ezra Miller is a is a solid Flash. He's it's not your flash. He's not he's not Grant Gustin, is he? No, he's just not. He's just not the he's not the PC Tunny certified Flash. I'll still be interested, can't wait to watch the movie and see everything that happens. But yeah, it it's really hard considering the investment that I have in the CW show. While all these things are happening at the same time. Um I think maybe a decade or two decades from now, going back and watching different Marvel, DC, Star Wars, different movies like that, if I go back and watch Flash, I think I'll appreciate it more then when I'm farther away from the series that I just fell in love with so much right now. So uh kudos to Ezra Miller to, to having the courage to just be himself and do whatever he wants and fuck everybody else because I, I do like him in these movies as the Flash, but it's just not—it's not the CW series what, to me. But what if
2: Greg shows up? What if Greg? What if Grant Coostin? Well, they've already done in the Flash. Yeah, movie?
4: I mean they've already kind of done that, right? I mean they—they've they, done had Ezra and Grant, yeah. right? Uh, but sure, that'd be awesome. I, I wish they would have just done that to begin with. Have him do double duty. It would have boosted up the series. They could have the series run stuff intermittent of the movies. I know that's a tall task, but. You know, booking by Tony.
2: There you go, Dave.
5: Uh, first off, Ezra Miller is a freak. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. That's. Uh, that's
2: a... I don't know if that I'm cool. If you freak say freak, I say crazy. courageous. What's what, the what, what, difference? What, 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 What's that, the difference? Really? That, that, out, that outfit was a mood. That that's was, was a that, mood. That look right. was a
5: mood. See, now here's the thing, though, about this Flash thing. I, I, I found. This to be deeper than I think, you know, then than I don't know if you guys did. But there are elements of this little bit that we got that scream flashpoint to me. And and that's a lot of the stuff on the Internet that I read afterwards is, is kind of echoing that, that there are things going on, the dialogue that's going on, all these different timelines. And yet you want to fix this one. And that opens the door. You've got three Ezra Miller based flashes standing there. Like you said, Pat, Michael, Ke- we assume it's Michael Keaton. I guess it could be Ben Affleck. We don't know. But uh, the,
2: the look of the cowl appeared Bell, to be the, the
5: eighty eighty nine one. Jesus. Um, if if this really is going in the flashpoint direction, I mean, there's things like, you know, redoing the costume and, and redoing the, the the ring and that sort of thing. If they're going in the flashpoint direction, which a lot of people think that they might be, then the rumors of a DC reboot could actually have more meat on the bone than we thought. Um I saw It's a cool trailer. You didn't see much, but enough to kind of get you thinking that maybe they're going in this
3: direction. Ray, I think you might be feeling this vibe as well. They literally showed him walking behind his mom. Yes. His mom dead.
2: Yep.
3: Right. It's very clearly going to be Flashpoint, in my opinion. And I'm torn because that is the Pantolment Flash storyline. But much like Dark Phoenix and a lot of these Pantolment storylines, I'm tired of it. We've never seen it in live action on a movie, respect to the Arrowverse and Flash, the CW show. Hey, why not? If you give me Michael Keaton, I'm with it. Um, I also like Ezra Miller as Barry more than I like him as the Flash, because young Barry was a mess before he got it together. And Ezra Miller plays that I am a mess better than any Flash I've ever seen. So I give him that. Um, I'm here for it. Flash is... I, again, all res- reverence and respect to Tony because that's his boy. He always talks about what do, you, what do you call him? The paragon of love, right? Flash is the one DC hero with respect to uh, Batman who may be powered, but is still a regular dude. And so, like, that we have, right? that's That we have in the proper DC universe. And so, yeah, man, give me more of that because, you know, it's only so many times I can see gods fighting aliens. Like, give me a regular dude.
2: Well, you're going to see gods fighting aliens again on November 5th, so buckle up, buddy. Or November, whatever it is. November 5th, you're right. Hashtag Eternals. And that's, yeah, I I had to get Marvel in there somewhere during this DC conversation. Uh, He was mentioned earlier, first of all, I just got to get out there that I did not know how to pronounce Zachary Levi's last name. I always did Levy, which was not correct. But Zachary Levi, um, I know Mind Blown was up next talking to us and giving us a little bit of a glimpse of shazam fury of the gods and for me i was most excited to see dame helen mirren and in, in her role and her sidekick um shit who was it? lucy Lou as as the two main antagonists more so than i was you know the shazam family though i did notice in Tell me if I'm off on this, but did it look like they slimmed up Shazam a little bit, that they don't have quite the overdone muscle suit for uh, for Zachary Levy this time that they did um, previous Levi? Sorry, I did it again. Zachary Levi. He just. I'm not saying that they didn't keep the muscles. He seemed like less muscles. Dave, your turn to go first. Your thoughts on Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and what you saw there?
5: Yeah, I don't know about the, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It does look like he's a little bit slimmed up, but again, we haven't seen, Yeah. we haven't seen the final product, so we Post don't know wh- what they're going to do in post-production exactly, but yeah, I mean, when you're talking antagonists, because, okay, we got rid of Dr. Savannah in the first one, uh, what's the worm's name, Mr. Mind, I think was, we, we saw him at the end of, uh, we don't know what that, Black Adams later on down the line, so yeah, as far as um, you know, what is it, Hespera and and Calypso, Hespera. is that uh, those yeah. are the Yep. Um, yeah, I I mean, it's awesome that you're going to get these two powerful female actors who can just absolutely knock it out of the park to be the antagonist to the Marvel family. Um, I wish we would have got like a sizzle reel or something out of this. Obviously, you know, COVID had a big problem, a big issue to do with that, but you know, as far as where they are going with this with the Shazam franchise, and and you know that sooner or later it's going to be the big showdown between him and black adam. So yeah, I mean, this is this is what we've talked about with DC that they're not so much about continuity across the universe as much as they are continuity within the individual characters, character arcs themselves seems to be the way that they're going. And and, and this looks like a very good addition. We'll see what happens with the Marvel family. We'll see what additions we get added in there. And um just you know, Billy Batson kinda getting a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser as we go along as well. So I yeah, I mean as good as the first one was, I, I can't see this being anything less than extraordinary as well. So yeah, I'm I'm all in on this one.
3: Ray. Change Lightning from my hands. Lightning <laughs> from my hands. Uh by far my favorite part of that of the first movie. Um Shazam is fun. And I'm glad they gave it that feel of being fun. Shazam is very, it was very much shot from the perspective of a kid becoming a superhero. And so it's fun. This doesn't look like it's going to, it's going to be fun, but it looks like it's going to be a little more serious now because there are stakes. And the first movie had stakes, but it didn't really have stakes. The movie has stakes because they're going to the, I don't know the, the verbiage or what it's called, but like the the Mount Olympus of DC or whatever it's called, where the gods and this and that and all the different places, which is very interesting. Um, definitely, you're going to see Black Adam, because remember, at the end of the movie, there are seven seasons, only six of them. You know the seventh is Black Adam's, right? Uh, very interested in the movie. Very interested in seeing where this goes, and very interested in seeing Captain Marvel become or Shazam. I'm sorry, become you right. a. you had it right. I know, but I mean, like, sorry, Brie. Brie Larson's um, movie, what? Sorry. Um, I'm very excited to see be him become a proper superhero, right? And not, not a superhero that's just there because he got superhero powers, but a proper superhero. I'm looking forward to that and the Shazam family and seeing how them all having powers affects them in their real life. So it's, it's a very interesting movie to see. I did a trailer. And Dame Helen yeah. Mirren is she enhances everything she's in. So shout it's out
2: true. to her. This is such a class, and I mean, you got plenty of time for a trailer as the film isn't set for release until June second, twenty twenty three. I agree with you. I'm glad that they brought um, I, that they brought steaks into the equation. I just hope they add the baked potato and sour cream. Tony, your thoughts on Shazam?
4: I'm not a big fan of this character. Um
2: the movie All series right. and that'll do it for <laughs> pcs <laughs> no mini, I, Shazam.
4: i'm not a big fan of this character uh but i can see that there are a lot of people who are it doesn't mean i'm a bad person um i can tell you that maybe it looks like Maybe it looks like with the less of the muscles, maybe Shazam literally is on the Atkins diet. I don't know. That's that's between him and Rob Lowe. You're welcome. Um, I'm just here, so I don't get fined.
2: You know, I will say, if you notice in some of the footage, something does happen to Shazam that has him carrying some sort of burn for a good portion, like on his shoulder, if you look at it, you check some of the footage. So I'll be interested to see. If that has any meaning, if that just happens to be the footage that they were sharing with us at the time. Next up on the list of DC Fandom information overload was a trailer for a show that I know everybody around this panel is definitely going to be watching. Highly anticipated as we got our first look at the Peacemaker show. John Cena hugs an eagle, y'all. He
4: hugs an eagle.
2: no, that's not true. Or the eagle hugs him. That's true. That's I mean, how do you, I don't. Yes, I agree. It's it basically looks like it picked up right where Suicide Squad left off. Um, Robert Patrick as his dad. That was exciting. T one thousand himself with the big stuck up hair thing going on. Like that was out of left field. I didn't even know he was cast in this show. Did you guys? Did did anybody here know that?
4: Can we officially announce that we're going to be covering this, uh, week to week, right?
2: This is, <laughs> streaming. This is a streaming series, know, yeah, right?
5: Exactly. I didn't even it know James Gunn was doing it. it.
2: Yeah. James Gunn. That's, that, that's been known that I knew about, um, for a while. I knew that that, that was a big thing, but I, yeah, I mean, James Gunn is behind it. It's going to be funny. It's going to be a lot of, it's going to be good stuff. I know that we're going to le- enjoy it th- thoroughly. Ah. Probably will probably cover it in some way, shape, or
3: form. Eventually, this whole damn show is going to be covering shows on streaming. This isn't,
4: listen, Patrick, this isn't another crisis on Infinite Earths, which we already addressed earlier in this show. We're going to be covering this shit.
5: That's Patrick's white whale, Tony. I'm not
2: saying that we won't cover the show. Crisis averted, Dave. Crisis averted. Whether we cover the show on, I mean, it's. I'm trying to find when was, when's it's streaming release date? It's not, um, January
4: 13th, January
2: 13th. January 13th, so we'll see what's going on then. I don't know oh my that there's God. going on. This then. is
4: like if I ask off for a weekend at work, like four months in advance, and they're like, well, we'll see. I'm like, it's four fucking months from now. Well, look, it, I know. It, we'll it, see. We'll in see all in fairness been. to my, to my oh, compadre, to, my, man. to my manager ever, Patrick
5: O'Dowd. Hey, look, in all fairness to Patrick, think about it. Hawkeye, Lock and Key, Witcher,
3: Peacemaker, all within two months of each other. Hawkeye should be ending right as Peacemaker starts, because it starts November 25th, and I think it's only like 8 to 10 episodes.
2: Everybody get your panties out of a fucking wad. I just need to look at a goddamn calendar for you. Good (laughs)
5: lord. Get your secretary on that, man. Come on.
2: Administrative assistant. I'm sorry.
3: Well done, Dave. Well done. so,
2: So we'll get back to you. I'll let you know. I'll bring it. I'll put it in front of the appropriate people, me, and I'll make a decision at the right time. And now I just don't even want to talk about Peacemaker anymore. All right, so fuck you. We're going to Batman. Oh,
3: you want to talk about Peacemaker, Dave. Patrick. You you know know Dave, you you go, Dave, go ahead and talk about Peacemaker. I'm uh,
2: sorry. I, I mean, I love the f- –
5: <laughs> just to see how they're actually going – because you know that they're about to do a, a face turn of sorts with Peacemaker. And the explanation is to kind of how we're getting there that, you know, how he's going against, air quoting, bad guys, uh, even though he's won himself, is going to be a fun journey. But, yeah, with James Gunn at it. And it looks like it's going to be a tremendously fun series. And yeah, I mean, kudos and shout out to John Cena as he continues to, you know, Tony's kidding around about it. I don't think we're going to get a Peacemaker Black Adam crossover. But as far as like the real world, where you look at where John Cena's progression is starting to mirror Dwayne's, not to that level yet, but he's, it's moving in that direction. So that's great for him. So I'm, I'm thrilled to see John's success as far as, transitioning away from wwe and becoming a legitimate hollywood star at this point and, and this 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 series is going to do wonders for him because you get to really see his range as an actor
2: yeah there's a there's a lot of good coming out of coming out of that um and coming out of peacemaker ray did you get a chance or did i just get so frustrated with uh with the whole date thing that I, that I missed you i thought i don't nope. think i don't think yeah you, nope. you get give it a go Thank
3: you, because none of us got a chance until Dave. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, no,
2: nope, you got a chance. You just okay. me mad. No, no I'm we'll, just kidding. Go ahead, Ray. Okay. Take a um,
3: turn. Yeah, I mean, you know, John Cena. John Cena has a has an eagle as a psychic. i like, he certain certain people were born for characters, right? Certain people were born to be a character. John Cena was born to be a peacemaker, and it, it's like it's just perfect. It's a perfect match. The casting. Shout out to Danielle Brooks from Orange Is the New Black. She looks, she looks like she's gonna kill it on the show. Shout out to the Vigilante. I want to see more of <laughs> Vigilante.
2: I was like, when did they bring black noir into the
3: show? Slash, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, I need to see more of him. Um, and yeah, the face turn is coming. But I love Vigilante's point at the end. He was like, "Hey, we're everybody's a killer. We're killers. We just we kill bad people sometimes on not an accident." It's like this. This has yeah, very poignant words. It is. Um, it's, it's it's good stuff. Yes, super excited. All right, all Tony. Right, uh, I would just say
4: that this show has PC Tony and three butt babies. That's all I have to say about that.
2: I'm, oh, it's nice. not a nicely film, done. I haven't changed yet?
5: You
4: could be a fan of the Muppet Babies, but you're definitely a butt baby.
2: Oh man, that hurts. All oh. right, let's get to the main event of DC Fandom. The the much awaited for the Batman we got a release date this is a thing that is happening March 4th, 2022 the story here is year it's after, it's like year one or the end of year one uh, with Batman in existence it seems like we got a trailer from Matt Reeves we got a nice little uh, three, you know, three person panel with Reeves uh, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz talking about the the filming process, and yeah, and we got ourselves our first trailer for the Batman. And saw all kinds of folks in, in footage and footage, and everybody who's playing in there uh, from Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot to Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, slash the Catwoman. Very brief look at Paul Dano as the Riddler, and, and even some of the bit roles with Andy Serkis and Jeffrey Wright, or yeah, Jeffrey Wright, is that his name? Yeah, um, as Commissioner Gordon. So, gentlemen. This was the main event of DC Fandom. Let's get some reactions to what we saw on this trailer. We'll start with uh, Ray Cash, Raymond Cashington, the third Esquire.
3: How nice of you to say my whole name. Thank you. You ain't, you ain't changed that shit for Halloween yet? I got to think of something funny. I know you've been waiting, so I want to make sure it's worthy. Get your shit together. Right, look, if you stopped booing me and believed in me a little bit, maybe no, I would.
4: You, I don't run the, that kind of stuff today. I'll boo you on Wednesday, don't worry. Go ahead.
3: Stop doing that, Tony. Why why would you do that to Ray? You think you you know a person. it be your own people sometimes, man. it be your own people. Um, Hey, no. uh, Trailer was fire. And I know that that can be literal and figurative because there's fire in the trailer. See what I did there?
2: It was fire in the trailer. Um, I
3: see what you did there. um, First and foremost, a couple quick things. Number one, I... It feels like there is a mix of multiple stories. Clearly they're doing year one. That's what Matt Reeves mentioned in his panel. Um, or at least this they're they're kind of they've they're taking from year one a bit they're um, you know what I'm trying to say. I've lost my words, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, the, but the
2: source material that they're pulling from is the year the year
3: one source yes. material
0: for Batman. Uh I, but I
3: it feels but it feels like there's a little long, long Halloween in here. And it feels like there's a little bit of the new hush. And when I say h- new hush, I don't mean the hush where Tommy Elliott is the guy, the hush where Riddler is the guy. Um, and I think the key behind this is that Riddler knows who Batman is. He figured it out. And but the cool thing about it is uh, you mentioned this to me off air Uh We don't know what the story is yet. And we got five months going into it. And every other Batman before this, we've known the story going into it. So I think that's really cool. Most importantly for me, I'm probably the most excited about this Batman as a character because this is the first time ever in Batman history on television. I mean, on on live action screen that Batman has been we focus on the detective portion of his of him. Right. He is the world's greatest detective. That is his superpower. He figures out shit before anybody else can figure it out. He figures out shit before people have even decided to that it's something to be figured out. And so seeing that against the smartest dude in the Rogues Gallery, I'm super excited to see that. I also found it funny that Matt Reeves was really annoyed by uh Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson because you know, if you believe the story, he almost ended the movie. Because they yeah uh, they was fuck they 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 him fucking on um, Batmobile, that will never not be funny to me. So,
2: but I mean if you're, if you're so much- if you're if you're gonna hook up and you're playing Bat, why not? Where else are you gonna hook up? But on the hood of the Batmobile.
4: Next week, a brand new option: Port Hub auction. The Batmobile, <laughs> known as the Fuckmobile, will be hey. live.
3: Yeah. Debuting
2: on Bandwagon Nerds After Dark,
3: episode 102. Shout out out to the fact that uh, Pattinson, uh, he um, auditioned for the role in Val Kilmer's Batsuit. That was a dope little tidbit. Huh. That is true.
2: Tony, your reactions to the Batman trailer?
3: I love it. I love
4: what they're doing. I think Robert Pattinson is going to quickly be towards the top of everybody's list as, as far as people playing Batman, I think he's going to get it right. And I think it's someone that while he's not necessarily young anymore, he can play young and graduate into playing older as they, you know, possibly continue his role in, in, in in future Batman movies. Um, I like it. I'm here for it. I'm always a huge fan of the Riddler. And I think Dave and I had the same notion that at one point we feel like the Joker is involved in this, right, Dave?
5: I don't know if he's involved, but it is, it is questionable. But a as part to, of, yeah, a as, part
4: of what we as saw,
5: who he's talking to, who's behind the shield that gets raised up. That sure had a Joker esque feel to it. Cause I'm like, well, who else would be behind there? Who Batman has interacted with? Cause you figure this is somewhere between year one and year two. Um, could be the Joker. It could be somebody else entirely. What I love about yeah, the trailer. What's that? calendar man okay yeah could be uh what i love about the uh the the trailer was and, and i understand that this is not going to be a direct tie into the dark knight but it felt like more dark knight than than the affleck stuff or even the tim burton uh batman which is a lot more lighter and, and more colorful but i i think that it, it is it is to me it feels like Batman kind of moving into the direction from going from the world's greatest detective like Ray's talking into the Dark Knight persona, which is an advanced variation of the world's greatest detective where he implements more of his gadgetry, more of his computer stuff, a lot more of the the tech based sort of thing. But as far as the trailer goes, I mean, that scene at the end where he's chasing Oswald Cobblepot and Cobblepot thinks he's gotten the best of him and that Batmobile comes raging out of the flames on fire, blast Cobblepot, you know, wrecks his car. And then you get the whole thing where you've got Batman walking inverted and then the logo gets superimposed on top of that. It's as badass as you can get. I'm all in for, you know, get, get March 4th, 2022 here as quickly as possible. So let's see, because like you guys are saying, we really don't know the story. We don't know exactly where they're going with everything, but it is, it's Batman. I think this trailer did a lot to, if you're concerned about Robert Pattinson's ability to portray this character, you could probably rest most of your fears about that. Cause he looks very much at home in the bat suit and, 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 you know, yeah, the, the performance Catwoman is involved. We know that there's multiple villains yeah, it's just can Reeves pull this all together and make it make sense is the big question. But based on the trailer alone, you got my money. Like, sure make... looks
4: at home on, sure looks at home on the Batmobile, on the yeah. hood of the Batmobile. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And thank goodness we got that dark, gritty Batman movie that we've all been hoping for. Oh, right.
4: I would love to see Danny DeVito reprise his role as the Penguin at some point.
2: Maybe it'll show up in the Flash movie.
3: Hey, but but shout out to uh my boy from Gotham changing the way that pe- we look at Penguin. Yeah,
2: I would say that Robin say Lord that's... Taylor,
3: Robin Lord yes. Taylor. That I have to. I want to say his name because he's fantastic. Shout out to that because right. Penguin yeah, got to be short and fat.
2: Well, and that's a character that always has to has been like so parodied, and it's kind of like Aquaman, right? Like we made fun of Aquaman, but Aquaman can be a badass. Like let's Penguin could be a horrible. Not, horse
4: no, that's insulting the character of the penguin i mean that aquaman is just oh. way the fuck down there
2: i just i just realized that i it didn't even cross my mind to include aquaman on our list of things to talk about out of dc fandom like it could be your extra oh. patrick here
5: you go there you, it, go. It there could you be, go but
2: it's not uh, because I, I don't want to talk about aquaman <laughs> Um, what I do want to talk about is the sick amount of money that this movie is absolutely going to make, regardless of whether it's terrible or amazing, and it looks pretty darn good. Ray, I'm going to give you the honor because you like to say that a movie is going to make a certain amount of money. How much money do you think Batman will make? The Batman.
3: One billion
4: dollars. No, let's go opening weekend. Seriousness, opening weekend.
2: Opening weekend, if we've got a full-on slate of... 250 mil. Theaters. That
3: low? I mean, I'm, I'm, gonna, you, I'm, you, I'm, you, I'm still thinking about... It. I'm going to look up, look up uh, Avengers Endgame opening weekend. I'm still thinking about the fact that, you know, I can't see a post-pandemic world yet because we're still in it.
4: What
2: is this? What right. is does this come on?
3: March March 4th. March
4: 4th. Oh, so, man. I'll, I'll I'll go first.
3: What do you, you tell me? How
2: about that?
4: I'll say I'll say it. It goes over three hundred million dollars opening weekend.
2: So Avengers Endgame, with a runtime of damn near three hours, made three hundred fifty-seven million dollars in its opening weekend. That was its gross, and it sold an estimated thirty-nine point six million tickets. So that's that's the benchmark. I I I you know, I kind of was poo-pooing your two hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred and fifty million, Ray, but that doesn't sound too too far too far fetched. So good for you. Um will it beat Endgame's fastest to six hundred and fifty million dollar record of thirteen days? In the world no? of
5: Arnold in the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando. No chance
2: because of the pandemic crowd, or because you just don't think it I just don't think it's I, got that reach.
4: It'll make all its money the first weekend. I think the people that want to see it you, are going to see you it don't right think away.
2: Batman won't have that reach. You don't think that because you don't think this will bear repeat viewings, it, maybe?
5: I think it, but and I'm sorry, Tony, go ahead. No, go ahead, dude. I was just saying, you talk about repeat viewings. I mean, most of us saw Endgame more than once, I think, in the theaters, so uh, I. I mean, it is Batman. Batman's a one of the most marketable properties there is. Um, I I just I don't know if people will gravitate towards it like like an end game sort of thing.
3: Let me, let me put it in, in 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 perspective like this: People are going to go see the Batman movie because it's Batman. People want to go see Avengers Endgame because they had watched twenty movies and wanted to get it, get the resolution. So like, there's that's a much bigger scale of people who are just like, hey, Batman movie. So, like, it's going to do great numbers, but, like, it's going to be a while before we get another Avengers in game.
2: Cool. All right. Well, I promised you guys the opportunity. We're going to do a once-around-the-room. You get one thing from DC Fandom that we did not cover that you can share right now to tell everybody what you're excited about. Who wants to go first? All right. I'll go first. Great. Um. I was happy to see soundboard footage of Harley Quinn's third season. Uh, I was, that was an animated series that I really, 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 really times infinity. uh, Wanted to see what it came out. Wasn't able to catch it in time. And then was able to binge watch it on the back end and have just loved what they've done with that character. I've loved what they've done um, with, with that whole animation bit. Their little sequence on DC fandom was cute. I thought where they just talk about how it's a bitch to make animated shows and get done in a a, amount of time. So that was my, that was my, this is what I can't wait to see and was love that we got some information and some some footage out of it. So that's mine. Now, who wants to go?
3: You talked about animation.
2: Yeah, okay, go ahead, Dre.
3: Young Justice. Young I've Justice. Been, I've I've been waiting for young. I've been waiting to get some Young Justice information for a long time. Um, we knew season four was coming. The type of animation they do takes a while, much like the Harley Quinn show. And Young Justice has been so critically acclaimed; it's been canceled twice, and the fans have brought it back. It's an amazing thing to see. And I think the reason why, with respect to all of you all this is the most interesting of the four, is because this is the only thing on on DC Fandom. Which led to existing right now uh, content. As soon as Fandom ended, the first two episodes of Young Justice Fandoms dropped, and so like that was dope. I, so you get a chance to see them break it down, say it's coming, and then oh by the way, after this is over, go watch the first two episodes, which I did. They're fantastic. Shout out to Young Justice.
2: Absolutely, PC Tony, One thing from DC Fandom that you were excited to see oh there he is uh what are those on his feet honey
4: uh the gold boots have finally arrived um much lore to the gold boots i think it just you know and you're starting to see that in, intrinsic yellow uh lightning electricity flowing through the suit as well like we mentioned as before for the flash movie so very iconic i i firmly love the fact that Grant also is getting behind this and is enthralled and was one of the key factors at bringing this forward uh much like uh uh in um vision WandaVision um Elizabeth Olsen was a big fan of bringing back the old school uh scarlet witch costume so it's great to see these excellent actors getting really into the work and and thriving on the nostalgia
2: Excellent excellent Dave to you, you're one other thing from DC Fando.
5: Uh, there are a few, but I guess I'm going to narrow it yeah, down yeah, to yeah. Uh, just they're selling
4: me. Marco Kidder's bearskin rug from that's Superman. It. No, oh, that's never it. It,
5: no,
2: um, Chris not on the show.
5: <laughs> it was the um, the injustice stuff that they showed. That was the thing that caught me, and I mean the opening scene where they show what happened to Superman. And just literally, it did elicit a reaction in me as far as like the Joker, like you motherfucker, you know, not only did you kill, not only did you trick Superman into killing Lois and your, his unborn child, but 11 million people all at the same time. Um, that just to see how that, you know, cause you're like, well, what would break Superman and to actually see it happen? And if you played the games, then you kind of knew what was happening, but to see it brought to life that way was, um. Yeah, that was really cool, and I mean that's coming out what any day now, right, Ray? Like two days away, something like that. The Nineteenth.
3: So as of our recording, it will come out tomorrow. Right.
5: So I I really that that was really powerful for me to see. It's something I know Ray and I are really looking forward to uh, to check it out. But yeah, injustice is um is fire, and, and just what a story that's going to be.
3: I already got a pre ordered.
5: You're the man, Ray. All
2: so, right. Well, and it looks like you two can take on the Nerd Review again for this week, then, because I will not be pre-ordering and I don't think it's going to be in HBO Max. I
3: mean, I don't want to wait four, five, six months. I want to see it now. Word. So see it now and Nerd Review it. right anyway, I'm down hey. if you want to try it, man. I'm down. If you if if you if you can guarantee you'll see it by Wednesday, because I will. Let's do it. Uh, uh, the Ray. trait of a true boss on, delegation. You, you, well, know, you know Patrick. that I spend money well, aimlessly on Patrick.
5: Nerd you know, I spend money aimlessly on nerd-based products. So, you Whoa, did. Hey. What was
2: the brand? Of, you you bought something just for the nerd review, and I couldn't believe that you randomly like bought some one of the one of the '80s movies that we covered. You were like, "Oh, I meant to own it anyway." And I'm like, "Come on, dude! Thank you for that." Anyway, Dave, I need you to help me out and play some breaking news music for for the show because we actually have some breaking news. <laughs> All right, breaking news. This doesn't happen, but going back to a story that we talked about earlier in the show, when we were talking about the AIATSE, Dave, you had predicted that they would reach a deal. They did. Uh, IATSE reaches a deal on film and TV contract with mixed reception, which means that a strike seems to have been averted, but a new agree- the new agreement is not making the words that they hoped. According to I found this on io9, so it got announced by by the union on their Instagram, though. The new deal is currently being ratified by union mem- members and is being dubbed the basic agreement. It's a three-year three, w- three year, um, deal will address the core issues involved that will lead to reasonable rest periods, retroactive wage increases at 3%, adopting diversity inclusive inclusion initiatives, and living wages for those on the bottom of the pay, st- pay scale. A lot of other constituents, though, point out that um, in a tweet announcing the basic agreement, several replies from members have pointed out how little things seems to have actually changed. The same sentiment is on their Instagram with several calling this insufficient and saying they'll certainly be voting no to ratify the contract. Regardless, those no's do not seem to be enough to stop ratification. So movies will continue to be made. Television shows will be continue, continue to be made as a tentative deal has been reached and is in place. There, there's a
5: rule in negotiation.
2: Oh, oh sorry, man. I thought you what, – what's your thought? No,
5: I was just saying there's a rule in negotiation that if nobody's happy, it's probably a good deal. And that seems to
2: be what we've got here. Oh, it seems like they did the minimal, so that, that'll that work. For now. Is
1: mayonnaise an instrument?
2: What to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school?
4: Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you
2: know what the problem is? Gentlemen, I created a monster this weekend. I sat the little O'Dowd down Uh, in front of of Disney+. And I was like, this has always struck me as funny. And introduced him to the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode featuring no beer and no TV make Homer something, something. The teachers turning the students into food and the uh homer goes back in time the whole butterfly effect episode of treehouse of horror he has now since watched 19 of the 31 treehouse of horror episodes and and we are stuck watching the rest of them through eternity so my question to you and i think this is going to be a tough one for say a pc tunny your favorite treehouse of horror mini story or skit so it doesn't have to be a whole episode, just one of the many stories. So, See, I love it. I knew that tony, Tony's like, oh, there's so many. And, he, and that that was what got him there. Give me, I'll like, give you all
3: a little second to think. Stuff like this is so, hard for me because I have a uh, total memory of stuff like this.
4: I'll give them uh, some time to think. Um, it, it's great because it sets these characters into different eras and situations and genres, right? Like you have the medieval times stuff they've done you have the salem witch trials stuff they've done you have the greek god stuff they've done it's just all different things mixed into homer and marge and lisa and bart and maggie right and then all the outlying characters who just complement them so well and matt Groening is such a fucking genius and i'll be honest with you i have not like, uh, tree house of horrors for this year has already been out. I think it was not last Sunday, but even the Sunday before already. Um, and I'm saving You're it for domestic. Halloween. Wow. I'm saving it for Halloween, to be honest with you. And I once did, uh, the 30 days of Halloween and I talked about each one of the tree house of horrors. So I don't necessarily know that I could pick, but, um, when you bring in the, the aliens, uh, King and, and, um, Oh, why is the other one mis- uh, mis- leaving my brain right now? Kanos uh, or something like that? I can't remember his name. Kodos. Kodos, thank you. Uh, I'm always a big, big fan of that. So take me to your leader.
2: All right. Well, well Dave and, and Ray sort of ponder this a little bit. My uh, my current favorite, and it always seems to fluctuate, I, I always think the shinning is is an all-timer, um, period. but. Very good. In Treehouse of Horror uh, Episode 19, they pay tribute to It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, with Milhouse as the Linus character, and the Great Pumpkin going crazy as this giant evil monster that eats people, and the only way that they can defeated is for uh millhouse's childlike innocence to believe in tom the turkey who then does battle with the giant great pumpkin it's it's a hilarious episode it's a very fitting tribute and is far and away currently my favorite treehouse of horror uh skit to watch dave ray either one of you got one adventure go? ray you're nodding
3: yeah. Right. So I, I had again, I'm terrible at stuff like this. I'm not a guy that remembers episodes like this and that. I, and I, I I envy you guys that can, but I had to go back and look and see some of the ones that jog my memory. The Xena episode with comic book guy. When when <laughs> when great. Bart and Lisa became like superheroes to go save Xena, I crack up at that every time. That that one pops me. Plus, being being a superhero nerd, like it's right up my alley. And I did watch. Almost every episode of Xena, Warrior Princess back in the day. So shout out to Lucy Lawless. Worst bandwagon ever.
5: Well done. Dave, what about you? Well, to be honest, I haven't watched a whole bunch of these. I'm I'm sorry, man. But the one that I do remember is there's one. Isn't there one where Homer sells his soul for a donut or something like that? His head becomes yes. a donut. Yeah, and then there's donut some editor. there's some bullshit clause in his contract that gets him out of internal damnation or something yes. like that. It's called
4: it's called the Devil and Homer Simpson. Okay. That's
5: that's the one that stands it's out to season me.
2: Five. Season five.
5: That's the one his, that I recall
2: his wife to Marge because he pledges
5: his soul to Marge. Yes, that's the one that stands out that I remember more prominently than the other ones.
2: Dave, I'll, I'll just say this. Oh hold on. No, go, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Judge. For for I I, com- I commend you for admitting that you haven't watched a lot of these, but I'm sorry. Just. I deserve that one. I deserve that. You definitely deserve that book.
4: I'll just throw this out there. Um, the Raven is, is regarded as one of the best okay. ever from the first ever. And I think my favorite actually is Homer three, where he turned into the 3D character. Yeah, and then they have the adult bake shop like and everything and it, like
2: and he falls into the dumpster. Yes. And like yeah.
4: I think it was the, he got tied to the rope when he went through the closet so they could pull him back out the other side. So it's just it's something that you can dive into every October, to be honest with you. Um And if it, you have Disney, it's 22 minutes, right? You can probably do one a day and lead yourself up to Halloween. And it's a great way to get into the season.
2: Right. Or you can go like the little O'Dowd who has been binge watching them as if he has no tomorrow between that and me mistakenly showing him the David S pumpkin skit from Saturday night live. Uh, I have whoa. made some mistakes this David, holiday season. It's David,
4: questions? S. Pimpkins, it's David S. Pimpkins, by
2: the way, whatever it is. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Tell everybody out there where they can find you in the interwebs. This week, we will kick it off with David Ungar. You can find me
5: at hashtag Washington needs a defense. Uh, that would be a good place to start. But you can uh, check me out on Twitter at attitudeag, That is at attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. Mr.
2: PC Tunney. Uh,
4: Patrick, you were talking about it's the grand pumpkin millhouse uh easy bake coven is another great one ray you were talking about ze- desperately zeeking Zena. you can find me at pc tunny on twitter and facebook please continue to listen to everything on chair shot radio network sports entertainment and sports entertainment we got you covered and go back and listen to that omar spahi up uh interview it's it's phenomenal uh thank you again omar
3: mr ray cash your turn sir I found my new name for my uh spooky name as Tony wanted. Raymond S. Cashkins. Cashkins. Uh any questions. Um and I'm at it's Ray Cash R Y as Mysterio. Say as in Dollars. Uh yeah, check your boy.
2: And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also, give a follow to the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account, at Bandwagon Nerds. We did share, uh, we joked about sharing a lot of the content internally from dc Fandome, though we did also take some time to hype that up and we have been much more diligent as of late in keeping that twitter account alive so follow it as we try to keep you up to date on everything in the nerdosphere thank you everyone for listening that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds now get yourself out of the basement get some sun and then hunker down and watch the replay of dc Fandome. there was way more news than we had time to cover. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. <laughs>
5: say okay so what if i'm not real
1: i'm sorry so what
5: yeah so what but if you're not real doesn't mean nothing you do matters what does that mean look brother i am sitting here with my best friend trying to help him get through a tough
3: time right and even if i'm not real this moment is right here right now this moment is real I mean, what's more real than a person trying to help someone they love?
0: Now, if that's not real, I don't know what is.